According to most sociologists, there are six different generations living in America, ranging from those born at the turn of the 20th century to the present day. Out of those six generations, two of them, namely Millennials and Generation Z, have never known in America without Roe v. Wade. That could change very soon. On January 22, 1973, the Supreme Court of the United States struck down a Texas ban on abortion with a 7-2 decision. Two generations later, it's another Texas ban on abortion that gives new hope to protecting new life. In today's episode, we will be looking at the tragedy of abortion through the lens of evangelism. How can Christians effectively reach the lost souls who advocate for the murder of the unborn? What issues or arguments might a Christian face when having these discussions? How does the clash of worldviews play into this discussion of abortion. In light of the two cases coming before the Supreme Court, the Texas bill and the Dobbs case from Missouri, there has not been a better time in recent past for Christians to speak out boldly against abortion and defend the unborn. Maybe you have never had a discussion on this topic, and maybe you have strayed away from it because you felt afraid or unsure. For me, before I began evangelizing, I certainly was afraid to do it. I thought that I needed to study a long time before I could tell someone about Jesus, because I might not have a sufficient answer to a question the other person has. If you are like me, then I will encourage you by saying that most people you meet are not going to be scholars or academics who have thought long and hard about the gospel. Most people are just as lost and alone as you and I were when we heard the gospel. And they're looking for answers to the basic questions of life. Although almost every person you meet will have an opinion on abortion, it still comes down to the simple fact that people without the gospel of Jesus Christ are lost in this world and are simply looking for answers. So don't be afraid. An assurance that we have when speaking about Jesus is, especially if we do our homework and study the issues at hand, that the Holy Spirit will help and guide us when having these conversations. So what might a Christian face when having discussions on abortion? What are the arguments that we may come up against when talking with people on the issue. Well, as I said, most people will have an opinion on the matter, and most of the time we can anticipate their response. Furthermore, there are people who dedicate their lives to speaking apologetically on abortion, and we can learn from them how we ought to prepare, and I will present different strategies from other more experienced people as well. However, before I go into the ways in which we can defend the unborn, it's important for us to understand how each side of the argument wishes to view the issue. For the pro-choice advocates, the goal is to focus on the mother. In the victim culture of today, the focus turns to the one who is forced against their will to do something, experience something, or is withheld something which will irreparably harm their future. The pro-choice advocates claim when Roe v. Wade was originally hurt was that in order for women and men to be equal, a man and woman must be as equally unable to be pregnant, and abortion is the way to solve that. Of course, for those of us with a Christian worldview, we understand that this sort of faulty logic is in direct contrast to the creation order. Order. And for anyone who understands basic biology, we understand that a man and woman will never be equal in this matter. You can make the claim, perhaps, that a woman can have an operation that stops her from ovulating or conceiving, but the fact remains that there is a natural biological process in place in women so that they may become pregnant that does not and never will take place in men. I won't even get into how the LGBTQ movement has further degraded this issue, and in fact, I'm already quote-unquote out of date by using the 
the terms man and woman. But it is important for us to understand where the pro-choice advocates want the focus to be, and that is on the mother. If the mother is forced to be pregnant and give birth, then she won't be able to continue in her career, or she won't be able to continue with her current lifestyle, or she will have to downgrade her living conditions as she will now have to provide for a child. Or maybe she was not ready to have a child and doesn't want to take on that responsibility. And these are just a few responses. To give some evidence supporting this, you just need to Google why have an abortion and look under the news tab to find articles from top news sources from around the world who will offer reasons for a woman to have an abortion. Here are a few reasons that I found. Her baby wouldn't live to term. She wasn't ready to have a child. Her birth control failed. She was raised in an abusive household. And one woman simply said she already had two kids and didn't have to explain why she got an abortion. Again, it is important for us to know that the focus will be turned to the mother when having discussions on abortion. So what is our response? To turn it to the person who is being completely forgotten, the unborn child. You might be surprised that a liberal college such as Princeton University has an article titled, When Do Human Beings Begin?, where they assert that the human being begins at fertilization and the destruction of that zygote is the destruction of human life. This of course is completely true and any honest scientist would have to agree. This is where Christians must speak up and defend the life of the unborn human being. We know that life begins in the womb at fertilization, not just because science confirms it, but because the word of God declares it. Psalm 139, for example, says, "For you." created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. So what can pro-life advocates do to turn this discussion? Well, like I said, it is important for us to focus on the unborn life. We can bring up these scientific articles about life beginning at conception, and we can look at apologists such as Stephen Schwartz for effective tools. Schwartz developed an acronym SLED, that helps us point to the fact that we should not discriminate against the unborn child simply because of its size, level of development, environment, or degree of dependency. Furthermore, Alan Schlemann from the organization Stand to Reason writes, Although it's true that the unborn differs from a born human in these four ways, size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency, none of them is a relevant difference. None of them justifies killing the unborn. Now, I know that with these arguments and the points of view that I have portrayed, I am not offering you a silver bullet which you can use to debate this topic, but it is important for us to understand the clash of worldviews here. The pro-choice advocates will seek to put the mother in focus and her victimhood regardless of the unborn child and its victimhood, and it is the responsibility of the pro-life advocates to turn that focus back on the baby. I understand that it is not a simple issue. I understand that it has been dividing America for the past 50 years, but what each of us must understand completely is that any abortion for any reason is the purposeful killing of a human being. And most of the time, unless we are talking to someone with a radical held philosophy, if we can convince them that the child in the womb is in fact a full-fledged human being, they will often turn their position to being pro-life. So wherever you go, whoever you may talk to about this issue, do not be afraid. Psalm 31 verse 9 says, speak up and judge fairly 
actually defend the rights of the poor and needy. It is our responsibility to do this, but also to do it in a spirit of love. As I end our episode today, I want to go back to the Supreme Court case being heard on Monday. I'm by no means an expert on the case, and I certainly don't have a complete understanding of all the intricacies, and I would of course refer you to check out a number of different sources to find and follow information on this case. But I can invite you to do one thing with me, and that is pray. Specifically, I would like to have anyone who hears this episode and anyone with whom you share this episode to join me on Monday, November 1st at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in a short time of prayer as this case is heard before the Supreme Court. The court session begins at that time, and I think that there is nothing more important for us to do than pray that God works through this case and overturns a ruling that has resulted in the death of millions and millions of babies. We know and have faith, however, that God is sovereign over all things, and he is just and right, not leaving any evil deed unpunished. Now, if you're like me, I'm sure that even after hearing a short episode on the topic of abortion, you have many, many more questions. You're wondering, how should I respond to this, or how should I respond to that? And I hope that this has given you a taste of the issue, and maybe it has sparked within you a desire to speak more apologetically on the issue. And if that is you, then I invite you to do a lot of research on your own. Search for ways that you can defend the pro-life position. Search for ways that you can speak up for the unborn child. I plan in later episodes to continue this discussion on abortion and how we as Christians may more effectively evangelize those who hold a pro-choice position. But what is important for all of us to understand is that regardless of our size, regardless of our level of development, regardless of our environment, regardless of our degree of dependency, we are all made in God's image and we all have an inalienable right to life. Thank you for listening to 1618. If you like this podcast, I humbly ask that you share it with your friends, coworkers, family members, or anyone who you think might be interested. It really helps me if you engage with my posts on social media, if you simply click the like or thumbs up or comment something, and it would be a huge help if you would leave a review on my Facebook page and continue to share this page with people who might be interested. I've just changed my Facebook page to be named after myself, Nathan John Whitaker, but you can still find all of the 1618 content there as well as other things that I will be posting in the future. It is things like this that help me continue on, especially as I'm searching for ways to increase my audience and spread the word of God and these tools to more people. The last thing that I will say is that if God is leading you to donate towards this podcast in order to help me acquire the equipment that I need, market effectively, and pay for things like my website and domain, you can join with me on Patreon or you can reach out to me personally. If you are interested in either of those things, you can find more information on my website, 1618podcast.com. That's 1618podcast.com or on my social media pages. May God bless you wherever you are and may you use this time of political division to spread the gospel to all who will hear. I look forward to joining with you in prayer on Monday morning and I pray that God will use this as a way to further his kingdom and glorify his name in America.